Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. Obviously, Revelation 17 says it's going to be about the, um, the great harlot. It's going to be talking about Babylon. So what we want to do, we need to read what's going on. I've tried to share with you that this book is not in chronological order. There are things that are chronological in it. But as we've tried to share with you, if, if you can imagine a news screen up here, suppose this is a newsroom. Look at this as a newsroom. And, and there, there are monitors all over. There are monitors here, monitors here, monitors here, monitors there. There's monitors every place. And each of them are monitoring some part of the earth. Uh, over, over here, this is what's happened in New York City. While over here, this is what's happened in Jerusalem. And, and this one is what's happening. And these are simultaneously going on. But sometimes we're going to stop at one screen and watch that screen live out what it's going to do. It's going to live all the, the articles out. Then we're going to stop. He's going to say, wait, uh, you need to know what was going on over here. So now we're going to a chapter that starts telling us what was going on over here while that one had been going on. Everybody with me? So when you're reading the book, you just need to be able to say, stop and say, these are not all chronological. When John says after these things, he's not necessarily saying after those things happened. He's saying after these are the things that I saw, this is what I saw. This is what came up on the next monitor, all right? And that's what we have in John's, or um, Revelation 17. He has just finished telling us what happened when the seven bowls were poured out. And was, as I try to remind you, it's dumped out. This was not a gentle, slow pour. This was a dump out. And he took all the, the bowls of wrath that were combined with the plagues that the, the angels had themselves, and they were dumped out, one right after the other. This is not dump one out, wait three or four hours or 10 days or whatever. This is one right after the other. So here's what we can know is going on. When that first bowl was dumped out, people of the, the, that were following the Antichrist broke out in sores, festering, painful sores. So that's what's going on with some part of the, of the whole world at that time. The adversary, Satan, is angry that there are any believers in the world, and he's enraged, chasing down all the believers that he can, killing as many believers as he can. So you've got killing going on from the adversary. You've got sores happening from the uh, people who, are, um, who have the mark of the beast and who worship in the beast. You have, in addition to that, on the second bowl, uh, <coughs> back in 16, the sea turns to blood. And it wasn't just liquid blood. This was coagulated blood. Nothing's living. Everything that was in the sea dies. It smells horrid. You can't go anyplace anymore. Your ships are stopped. Nobody's going to go anyplace. Then the fresh water is turned, that, that third bowl, the fresh water is turned to blood, liquid blood. And th there's nothing to drink in it. So people are without water to drink. Water is an extremely important part of what we do as human beings on this earth. Then the fourth bowl, the sun heated up and scorched people. So that's on top of the sores they already had. Now they're having burned skin as well. The sun has heated up that much. And if that's not enough, the next bowl is poured out, and now it turns to darkness. 
And with that darkness, there is a pain that's involved in it. And it says it so much so that they were gnawing their tongues for the pain. Now, I, I, I've, never, I've had pain sometimes in my life. I don't think I've ever had one where I was gnawing my tongue. I'm grateful to God that he's delivered me from those things. Some of you, however, may have been in that situation because some of you have been through some really tough things. And uh, I'm grateful that God delivered you from some of those as well. But to gnaw your tongue because of the pain, and yet for all of this, they refuse to repent. They refuse to turn away. You would think that there need to be something in that that would say, what have we done? We're really messed up here. Let's get, let's get rid of this. The only way we'll ever be spared is if we'll stop. But no. No, they choose not to do so. Then the Euphrates River. Another bowl is poured out here. The Euphrates River dries up, and it says it's dried up strictly to make way for the kings of the east. To, uh, to trance over and get into Jerusalem where there's, or uh, not Jerusalem, but, but Israel nonetheless, where they're going to have a war. They're actually going to fight the Son of God. Now, once you get the picture, the people who are wearing those uniforms are people with sores and boils on them. They are people who are suffering from the scorching. They are people who are hurting bad enough. They're chewing their tongues. This is serious rage. And this is what our Father is saying. I'm putting hooks in your jaws. You're coming over here. You have fought me all this time. You're going to come fight my son now at Armageddon. This is his invitation. And the Scriptures tell us in other places that he's inviting all the animals to come to the feast. He's inviting all the birds of prey to come to the feast. There's going to be a huge shedding of blood here. Um, this is all before lunch. Um, there's going to be a huge shedding of blood here. And with that... This is the invitation. How did they come? How did they do it? It was by three demonic spirits. Each of the ungodly trinity gave up a frog out of them that was a spirit. And that spirit went forth to gather up all of them. And that spirit is in that same rage is inviting all of those troops from all over the world to come to this last great battle. Then the seventh bowl was poured out. And with that seventh bowl... The earth is grossly shaken. A huge earthquake takes place there. And when that huge earthquake takes place, it says that no island is left standing. The islands went down. That would mean, kids, that every fault we know about is erupting. Every fault that we know anything about is shaking up. This is similar to what happened when the great flood took place, when it says the fountains of the deep were broken, and when they were broken up, they tore apart, and that's part of what caused this mantle problem we've got now that's all the earthquakes. So those seven bowls have done that, and there is a horrible thing going on. Now, it's, it's at that, with that seventh bowl, that Babylon is remembered God says he's brought up Babylon to his memory. Now, here's something that I did, a little aside. You know, we, we sing songs sometimes about the sea of God's forgetfulness and so forth. May, may I just say this? God can't forget. God can't forget. I don't think you want God to forget. The Scriptures don't say God forgets. It says God remembers no more. Now, it's the same trait of God remembering no more that you're called on when you let bitterness go. 
when you've had this bitterness, when you've had this injustice that's been done to you, the longer you keep remembering it, the more that bitterness will eat you up. The more it will grind out your insides. The Lord calls on you not to forget, but to forgive like he forgives. And then to remember no more. God won't bring it up again. That's why it's gone. Everybody with me on this? Here, Babylon is remembered. God is calling up Babylon. He's remembering all the things this Babylon was, and he's bringing it up to his memory. Why? Because it's time for her judgment. She has been going on for a long, long time, and he's bringing her judgment. If I can, I'm a, I'll do the whole platform as a timeline again. I'm going to take this back here for creation. Right about here is creation. This is the, the period of the cross, and this over here is restoration of all things. This is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is where he's going to restore all things. Look, Babylon, I can know this. There are two women listed in the Scriptures. There is wisdom and there is the immoral lady. Those two women are there. I can tell you wisdom was right here at the beginning. Proverbs 8 and Proverbs 9, both chapters talk about wisdom right here at the beginning. Wisdom. And she draws people to herself. She gives wisdom to people. The other one wasn't there until somewhere right in here. At a time when a character named Nimrod began to do something that would be horrible. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Babylon then, this second woman, this immoral woman, begins about here. So she's been going since the days of Nimrod all the way through history. And she's going to have her comeuppance right here. Kids, that's still ahead for you. So if, if you follow what I just told you. She's still with us today. Everybody with me? She's still with us today. She still does the same thing she's been doing since the time of, of Nimrod all the way to this time right here. She is the one riding the beast, as we'll see in a moment, and that beast was that Roman empire that was there at the time. But the ultimate beast is going to be out here with that revived Roman empire that is the, the Antichrist himself. Is that, is that confusing enough for you? Follow where we're at? All right. How does it start? How does this whole thing get started? So let's, let's go back. I think it's always great for us to come out of Genesis, don't you? That's where the beginning is. Let's start with Genesis. Let's go from there. God creates man and woman. Now, I want you to listen to what he said. As God created them, he said, male and female created he them, created he them in the image of God. So which one was in the image of God? Please answer yes. Both are in the image of God, right? What is the image of God? Let me, let's, let's see if we can talk our way through this. He creates the male first. We've seen that in the scriptures in Genesis chapter 2. He's got the male first. What did he say about that male? He said, it's not good for that man to be alone. He's going to need fellowship, okay? So a female is going to be created that is fellowship for him. 
to go on further with me. He's going to tell them that they are to bring forth fruit. They're to be fruitful and multiply. So I know there's a second thing that it's for. The two of them are going to be fruitful. They're going to have fellowship. They're going to be fruitful. It's, I know this other thing. They're going to work together. That's synergy. They're working together to get something done. It wasn't just Adam who's supposed to do something and, and Eve just sits around waiting to see what he's going to do. They were a team. Why? Because it's not the Father that creates the earth. It's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Everybody follow me? The Father speaks it, the Son creates it, and the Spirit gives it life. So you have this teamwork that's going on. So when he's going to create a male and a female, it's to reflect what the Trinity is. It is a synergy. They're not going to do the same things. They have different functions they're going to be taken care of. And they're going to get that work done to reflect what the Trinity is. All right? So you have the, the, he's created them with fellowship so they have something to talk to. Why? Father, Son, and Spirit. Do you think they get along? Yes. They have perfect fellowship all the time, right? Are they fruitful? Look around, kids. Are they fruitful? Yes. Every place you look, they're fruitful. Just let a piece of ground go bare for a little while. Within a short period of time, that thing's got stuff all over it. Why? Because the fruitful God commanded the ground bring forth vegetation, and it does. Right? Synergy. They work together to get things done. Are the Father, Son, and Spirit one? Yes. Yes, they're one. They're a unity. They're, as the Scripture call it, an echad. Say that word with me, will you? Echad. Echad. That's what they are. They are a unity together. They, have, they are separate persons together as one. I don't know how that works. I don't have to. It's really beyond my pay grade. You understand what I'm saying? This is really some good stuff. So he's got them to be a union. So the husband and the wife, listen to how he's going to say it, and the two shall be one flesh. Same way he did, the, the same way the Trinity exists, he made that to exist. So here's the deal. He creates a female for fellowship, fruitfulness, synergy, and union. You know what he calls it? The image of God. It's called the image of God because that's what God is like. Now, having said that, those things, it's a covenant relationship. So the man and the woman are in a covenant relationship with one another. They have been made for each other. They're in a covenant relationship with one another. That is God's plan. Anything that twists that off is a perversion. It's not what God planned. You can't pervert it, kids. It's not made to be perverted. God's made it to be one thing. This is the way it is, all right? So with that, when God creates wisdom, he's seen as a female. Why? Because it's going to be fellowship. You're going to have fellowship with wisdom. It's going to be fruitful. Wisdom will bring you fruit in your life. It's going to be synergy because wisdom will work with you on everything that you do. And it's going to be a union because wisdom is going to walk with you the whole time. Everybody follow where I'm at? 
And that doesn't matter whether you're male or female. That's who completes you. Wisdom is who completes you. So as I've got in the outline here, hope I haven't missed any of the, Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, back in letter A, uh, for those of you who like to fill in the blanks, that's bowls. That's the seven bowls. It's about the bowls there. In letter B of the outline here, wisdom completes the human. She's, she's seen as a female to reflect human creation and for human creation to reflect it. So wisdom is going to be a female that unites with a, a human being. And that's what completes you. All right? Now let me go on further with it. God's intended covenant relationship is what wisdom is all about. God intends us to be married to and in a relationship with wisdom. I'll show you this in just a little while as we get into it a little further. God intended us for being that. That is our first covenant relationship. That is God's revelation of himself. So when he's having Adam and Eve here on this planet, they have been given a body to do physical things with, and they're going to use their senses and reason to figure out how they're supposed to plant something, dig something up. Oh, this is water. This is air. They they are doing that all with their senses. But in order to know why they're there, in order to know what life is about, in order to know their God, they're going to have to have revelation. And revelation is in their spirit that they're getting. So now they're going to understand life through that revelation. They've got to have the Word of God. Everybody with me? You got to have the Word of God. And with that relationship going on right now, that covenant relationship, that's how we were supposed to live. Uh, we would be observing things and working here on this earth while we're asking the Father, and the Father's telling us how things work. The Father is delighting in seeing us make those things work. The Father's delighting in us seeing us discover those things that He's done. He's having a joyful time with us. That's what we were for. And that's what wisdom was supposed to do to us. All right? Let me go a little bit further with you. Let me see if I can show you what, what some of this. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give you letter D right now so that I can get to another part of my outline. Two women are pictured in Proverbs. So I want you to look with me now at Proverbs chapter 1. So let's spend a little time in Proverbs, shall we? Proverbs are written by um, Solomon, and, and not just Solomon, Solomon and some others, but they were collected later and given for us, so we get to have all these Proverbs to look at that are telling us wise things in life, how to be wise in life. So let's go to Proverbs 1 and verse 20. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning. Fools hate knowledge. Turn to my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you because I have called you and you refuse. I'm going to stop right there in a second because she's got something she wants to say about that. Wisdom is seen as a woman who's standing in the concourses. She's, she's standing on the, get the, here, here's the, here's the city gate. As you're coming in the city gate, there's a roundabout there. And that roundabout, all you have to do is pick out which trail you're going to go off of. She's standing in the middle of the roundabout. And she's crying out to everybody who passes by, hey, come in here. Come in here. Come in here. I have something I want to share with you. I am your covenant relationship. I am the wisdom of God. I have things I want to share with you. And it's all those who are simple that are going by and they're looking at her, they're seeing her. Will they be a part of it or not? 
because we are fallen people, we will not always choose the one we had an original covenant relationship with. Everybody follow me? She's the one we were to have original covenant relationship with. And she's crying out to us, come rejoin that covenant relationship. I have things to share with you. I will guide you in your pathway. Now, go on, because she's got a couple of other things to say here that are maybe not as pleasant. Verse 24, because I have called and you refused, I've stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes, when your terror comes like a storm, and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Now look, there are two kinds of people now who are responders to this. There is the wise person who hears what wisdom has to say and say, teach me. Draw me into you. I want to have that relationship with you. Teach me the truth. Teach me what God wants to know. Then there is the other kind that's known as the fool. And in the scriptures, in, especially in Proverbs, the fool and the wise person are pitted against each other all the time. Here's what we can know about a fool. A fool despises instruction. A fool won't be taught anything. You can't teach a fool. Now, I just want to say that. Listen, kids, if you're, if you're going to be in school, and you, you are, please don't be a fool. Listen to instruction. Don't believe that you know it all because that's the second act of a fool. He believes he knows it all. The third act of a fool is that he always likes to say his own wisdom. He believes so much in himself that he feels he is the expression of all true knowledge. He won't listen to wisdom. Do you see how he's setting himself up for failure? Wisdom is where fruitfulness comes from. Wisdom is for fellowship. Wisdom is for synergy. Wisdom is for fruitfulness. Wisdom is for union. And when you pass that by and you choose foolishness instead, you set yourself up for the other woman. Now, uh, we, we could spend a lot more time with this one, but I think I, I better move on. Let's, let's move on to uh, letter C in our outline. Wow, there's some good passages. Uh, you can write this down. Proverbs 8 and 9. Read those, if you would, as you get a chance, because it's about this woman wisdom. All right? But let's, let's look now at something that was called harlotry, adultery, prostitution, the immoral woman. So if you would, let's take a look at Proverbs. Um, let's look at Proverbs 2 first. Proverbs 2. We're close to there right now. Proverbs 2, 16. Proverbs, let's start back with 10, and we'll, we'll go with there. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you. In other words, when you make that covenant relationship back with the one who is your fellowship, who's your fruitfulness, who is your synergy, who is your union, who is your life, when you make that fellowship with that one, then discretion will preserve you, verse 11 says, understanding will keep you, to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked, who are devious in their paths. Stop for a moment. Listen, if I know the truth, if I've made a covenant relationship with wisdom, and I'm, now wisdom is what's important to me, when I hear something that's not wisdom, I know to get away from it. That's not right. That's not good, and I'm sticking with wisdom. 
Everybody see it? Now watch what happens. Verse 16. To deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth (coughs) and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of, of righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted in it. So I realize now there are two women. The one is wisdom. And if I make a covenant relationship with her, I will be spared from the other one. I'll be spared from the evil guy. I'll be spared from the people who don't tell the truth. I'll be spared from the people who lead me in the wrong way. Now, if you follow where we're coming from, that's what I was supposed to have back here at the beginning of creation. Somewhere along the line, an immoral woman has entered into this picture. Somewhere along the line, she is one whose door leads to death. Where wisdom leads to life, this one leads to death. All right? Now, I want you to look with me at the Proverbs 5 for a moment. Proverbs 5. If I stick with wisdom, I'll be delivered from that one. Proverbs 5. Proverbs 5 1 says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lead your ear, lend your ear to my understanding, that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey. And her mouth is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lay hold of hell, lest you ponder her path, uh, her path of life, her ways are unstable, you do not know them. Therefore hear me now, my children, do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your ears to the cruel one, lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And you mourn at last, and when your flesh and your body are consumed, and say, How I have hated instruction, and my heart despised correction. I've not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly of the congregation. Stop just a minute. We have been given the gift of wisdom as our original covenant relationship. But let me say to you, there is someone who is quite pretty, quite attractive, who draws you to herself, who offers you a path of life, who says to you, come on, what do you got to lose? A little adventure. I'm a great lover. Come. Come. Yes, come. Don't be bashful. I've got everything prepared for you. How many times has that wicked, immoral woman drew aside, drawn aside young men and young ladies into a life of ruin? Can I tell you, the mother of that woman is called Babylon. Babylon. 
She is a creation of our imagination. She's the creation of our lusts. She's the creation of everything we think will make us happy. Babylon lives in that world. She thrives where there's a group of us that will go the same thing. That is why the Lord would tell tell people, look, once you see that starting to grow up in your community, take it out of your community. Because after a while, those imaginary things become bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's not long until it's driving your whole nation. Look for Proverbs 7 just for a moment. For those of you looking at the outline saying, he can't possibly finish. You're right. (laughs) And I'm not even worried about it. You follow me? I would rather we know what we're talking about so that next week when I speak, I got something else good to say. I, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm telling you good stuff, you know. And it's, the reason I know it's good is because it didn't come from me. It's just here. Look at Proverbs 7. There's, there's uh, well, look at verse 6. Here is Solomon. It's, it's late in the evening. It's not, the sun's not fully down yet. And he's taking a look. He's got a beautiful home. He's sitting up in the window. And he's looking outside the window. And here's what he sees in the street below. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice, and I saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths, a young man devoid of understanding. Anybody ever been there before? I, I have been there. I know who this guy is. He's, he's talking about me right there. Passing along the street near her corner, he took the path to her house in the twilight in the evening in the black and dark night, and there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him. With an impudent face, she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I paid my vows, so I came out to meet you, diligently to seek your face, and I found you. I've spread my bed with tapestry, colored colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him, and he will come home on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know it would cost his life. That's Babylon's daughter. That's Babylon's daughter. Babylon has been seducing kings this same way for centuries. Babylon has been persuading kings to take things that don't belong to them. Babylon has been encouraging kings and other people to leave this wisdom relationship and go with the relationship she's going to give them because her lust is for silver and gold and raiment and looking good and a comfortable life, and she needs you. Won't you come along? I can show you wealth I can give you things beyond your imagination. All you'll need to do is follow me. 
Here, come stay with me, and I'll show you a great path of life. That's Babylon. She becomes visible when we gather so many people together with it, and with our imagination, we create all kinds of things for her to live in. We'll create cities, great communities where she can be living out her wealth, her opulence, and we'll be drunk with her wine. Everybody ever follow where I'm coming from? Babylon is the mother of every perversion of breaking the original covenant relationship with God and reflected in its actions. That's letter E in your outline. Babylon is imaged in real time in human behavior and creation. Yes, we think about it. Hey, you know something? I read The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit 50-plus years ago. And the reason I delighted in it so much was that that author was so good at portraying characters that I could see them. I knew what they looked like. I, I could feel the fear that was in them. I could feel the, the victory that was in each one of them. That's a good writer. Kids, I felt it all. It was a part of it. Now, here's the kicker. Not real. I, I can tell you that Peter Jackson, when he made the movie, was wrong. Every character in his movie was wrong. Why? I already saw them. And that's not what they look like. You follow me? Now, maybe, maybe that's still a little too facetious for all of you. Here, here's what I'm simply saying. Babylon exists the same way until you act on her. Until you start going out and buying little Lord of the Rings action figures and bring them home and start setting up your little hobbit homes, your little, now it's starting to get realer all the time. Babylon works the same way. It starts with the lusts that are in our minds and our hearts. It starts, and those lusts become the deeds of the flesh from Galatians chapter 5. That's the way this thing works, guys. It's a killer. And it has killed people since the days of Nimrod. And it keeps on killing people today. That's what's going to drive Russia. That's what's going to drive Ukraine. That's what drove Rome. That's what drove uh, the Egyptians. That's what drove Babylon the empire. That's what drove them all was Babylon this seductress. Just a creation here at first, but it becomes real when you start fantasizing on it, when you start dreaming about it, and then when you start acting on it. Yes, you can look at someone else's something and you can say, I want that. And if you fantasize about it enough, you'll start dreaming up a way you can get it done. And that's how that lust will get realized. That's Babylon. 
Babylon becomes a kingdom because it gets realized by the people who want that kingdom to exist. They create it. They make it look. So letter E in your outline, let's put this. Babylon is the mother of every perversion of breaking the original covenant relationship with God and reflected in its actions. She is the product of the lusts of the darkened imagination, the unregenerate mind. She is visible when the imagination creates what it sees, the place where every lust is seen. When you get a whole group of people together believing that same way, and can I say, that's the great danger of having a community that's sensual. That's the great danger of having a community that learns to accept pornography and perversion. That's the great danger because it overtakes that community and it becomes that. It becomes real now and Babylon runs the community. Babylon's way is the way of death and you will die. It's the death of a community. When that community cannot stop and say perversion is perversion, we won't have it. Babylon lives. There's obviously much more to say about this, so we'll, we'll just pick it up next week. Fair enough? God has provided wisdom for us, and that wisdom is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, that's exactly what it says about the Lord Jesus Christ. He has made unto us wisdom. When you enter into that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you realize, hey, hey kids, kids in school, listen, listen to me. When you enter into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that's not just about going to heaven. Kids, when you enter into that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you entered into a personal relationship with somebody who is the source of all wisdom, all science, all English, all math, all social studies. He's the source of all history. You are entering into a relationship in which someone can download that information in you and you can become wise like Daniel. Oh, dear God, for our young men and women. Please. She's pretty. She's rich. She's sexy. She's every desirable thing you think you want. But she's a killer. She will take your life. And when you get to be about 26 or 27, you look back and say, where did I go? What happened to me? Guys, I don't want that for you. I want you to live. I want you to know who this Messiah is. This is the way to know what true knowledge is. The only way you can be a complete, full human is in a relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way to live is in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our wisdom. God has been long-suffering with Babylon. But if you, if you follow with us here, you're going to see she does have her final day. She's got her judgment, and it won't be pleasant. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for the love of God that's in him, for the very character and nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the beauty and the wonder of the, the power that the Lord Jesus Christ is.
We ask in the name of Jesus that you'll open our hearts to the truth. Father, help us to know, understand, and follow all the things that Jesus Christ is to us. Thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Please don't let anyone leave this room, Father, without a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Please, by your spirit, speak to hearts, speak to the depth of them. I don't care what the age is, Father, speak to them. And let them know the truth as it's found in the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. We've been saved. You know, we're going to be in heaven someday, guys. We're going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we're going to get to see all our brothers and sisters we've known for all the centuries. It's going to be a wonderful time. But we have right now, right now that we can live out the glory of God. Right now we can be a community of people that reveal to the rest of the world what Jesus Christ is really all about. There is a beautiful thing going on with us, guys. Let's look the Lord in prayer just now. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, Father, we thank you and praise you that you are such an awesome God. You've done so many wonderful, awesome things. We can look at creation and give you glory and honor. We can look at all the things you have said in your word and give you glory and honor. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his death, burial, resurrection. We thank you for his life. Thank you for what you're doing. Now dismiss us with your grace and peace and grant to us authority and power to speak the word of God into the lives of people all around here who are lost in ignorance right now, Father. Thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have yourselves a wonderful, wonderful rest of the day. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.